Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Tony Haggerty and Jamie Flynn to discuss all the latest from Parkhead. On the pod today we'll talk transfers including the very latest on Kieran Tierney. We'll have a look at Celtic's next Champions League hurdle and as well we'll have a look at the return of Lee Griffiths to the Celtic first team. Boys, how are we today? We all right? Very well. How are yes. we, we coping with this transfer window? Badly, but uh, Badly. taking its toll yet, Tony. <laughs> yeah, it's just a heat moment. It's taking its toll. The lack of transfers is what I mean. Not bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, on that front, the, the big story, as it has been for a wee while with Celtic, is Kieran Tierney. And the story broke uh, late on Monday night that Arsenal have seemingly ready to call it quits with us. They can't quite come up with something that. That satisfies Celtic and also reports on Tuesday morning that the Napoli as well um, that their valuation of Tierney was some way off from Celtic's. Um, so just to kind of take that back a wee bit, Tony, like, you know, where do you, you know, put that? Do you, do you would you say that's Kieran Tierney definitively staying at Celtic this transfer window? I know that might be quite a dangerous <laughs> statement to make, but what's your well, understanding? Well, my understanding, my reading of it is Celtic want twenty five million quid, right? Every player has a price, and that's the price that's been touted uh, for Tierney. Kearney. You want to put up or shut up. They don't want it in instalments. They want a, a rigorous payment plan to make sure that they, they get their 25 million quid for Kieran Tierney. Celtic held all the aces with regards to Kieran Tierney. They're a player who wasn't agitating for a move, who is, to all intent and purposes, Celtic daft anyway, wants to, supposedly to stick around to see if they can make the 10, make history. You know, so it's not as if there was a player and an agent unsettling his player and saying you can get this an X amount of cash elsewhere you know you got two clubs supposedly in the running Arsenal and Napoli neither of them came anywhere close to matching what Celtic wanted for Kieran Tierney so it's a win-win for Celtic at this moment in time definitively can I say we're staying you just don't know because there's still a lot of time to go left in the window and if clubs are really that interested are seriously interested then they know the price you know and Arsenal uh, who at this moment in time have been made to look foolish and as masquerading as a big club, you know, throwing all sorts of crazy money around for possibly Wilfred Zaha and others. You know, they know the price for a Scottish footballer in the Premiership. You know, a top Scottish footballer, it's twenty-five million. If they want, if they want them, they'll have to stump up that that amount. Mm-hmm. I think I think the Arsenal should be absolutely mortified the way they are conducting their business. Like I say, you know, the big thing about the Premier League clubs is how much money they've got. They love to splash the cash. They love to talk about how much money they've spent and all this. And then there's a prized asset up here in Scotland. Now, it doesn't, to me, it makes no difference if Kieran Tierney's playing in Scotland or if he's playing in the Championship or playing in the French League or whatever. He's a quality footballer and you can see that. And the price is only £25 million now. <laughs> I, I, and I, you're laughing, yeah. but I think that's... How did we not, get here? I, I, I think that's, I think you're completely right. And I think as well, I think twenty five million, you know, Celtic have shown how much they want from him. I think that might be a shade cheap because, you know, 
you can only maybe assume that that 25 million figure was arrived at at what players were going for last summer but this summer's a whole new kettle of fish you know the, the, especially down there there's you know 80 million for Maguire at Leicester but, I mean, where are these figures coming from yeah. so <laughs> 25 million isn't a lot of money shouldn't be a lot of money for Arsenal and if they want them they should pay them but just my final thought on it is I think Kieran Tierney deserves an enormous amount of credit because uh, as yeah. Tony said he's not agitating for a move so you know people say oh if Kieran was a Celtic fan he wouldn't move this is Kieran being a Celtic fan he's sitting he's biding his time he knows he could pick up the phone to his agent and go let's make this Arsenal thing happen and he'd be doing there quadrupling his wage being a very very rich boy but he's not he's sitting yeah. being a Celtic fan taking his time and saying if it doesn't come it doesn't come I'm very happy where I am I think I should be applauded for that he's kept his counsel on that you know and he's not come out in any media platform and, and had a rant you know mm-hmm. the, just look at uh, the, the, the boy yeah you know the boys every time you see him all he does is profess his love for Celtic so you have to applaud that and if he did move I think he would go with the Celtic supporters' blessing. You know, they, they, they would hate to see him go, but they know he's, he would presumably be going on to bigger and better things. And, and as I say, the boy would be quite happy to stay and see if Celtic can realise nine and ten in a row. And I think, I think in his own mind, that would be the perfect send-off for him if they could get to the mythical ten. Mm-hmm. Then I think Kieran himself would yeah. say, do you know what, thanks, uh, it's time, you know. Because uh, I don't think he, uh, the uppermost in Tierney's mind is not a move to Arsenal or Napoli. You know, he'll, he'll be moved on when the money comes in. But as, as James Literary, that's him being a Celtic supporter by keeping his mouth shut and not and not doing anything to rock any boat. Yeah, I mean, there has always there's been this kind of narrative over the the past few weeks, maybe indeed months of you know, is it is it time for? For Kieran Tierney to move on, you know, Jamie, kind of from like a Celtic fan's perspective, what, how, how do you see that when people maybe say, oh, is, it, "Is it time for him to go on to the English Premier League?" Or, well, well, I'd say no. To be honest, I mean, from a Celtic fan's point of view, there's lots to be done at Celtic, and Celtic are a quality club and a great place to play your football. So, I, I don't think anyone should be itching for a move. But you know, there's plenty of time. Kieran Tierney's only 22. There's Van Dijk. What did you say? 28, and he signed for Liverpool last season. So, you know, in theory, Kieran Tierney could sit at Celtic for another four or five years, then get his big move because he's he's a quality player. He's, a, he's a, you know, everyone's talking Van Dijk, potentially win the Ballon d'Or. He's maybe not the best defender in the world. But what I'm saying is there's, there's plenty of time for Kieran Tierney to get a move. Absolutely plenty of time. There's no rush for it. Yeah. What do you think? I totally, totally agree with that. I mean, he's not in a hurry. He's not said, he's not come out and said he's in a hurry to move. So, and, and again, I, I think he generally wants to. Attempt a tilt at history with Celtic and get to the this mythical ten figure that's <laughs> within reach, you know. So, and I think he would be happy with that. I think the boy himself would turn around and say, "That's that would be the perfect time to go if there is such a thing as the perfect time." He'll, he'll be moved on when Celtic get the money that they, they desire and they crave for him, but not because he's, you know, through mm-hmm. a strop or yeah. or through the toys out the pram. I it's 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 Arsenal and the be the an end all, you know. It, See, to be perfectly honest with you, if I was Kieran Tierney and I was looking at it brutally, I don't even know if Arsenal would necessarily be the move because they look like a team sliding out of the top six mm-hmm. where there are other teams in and around that look as if they could be moving into the top six and he could definitely get a move to a top six side. Yeah. I think if he's wise, he would. He would if he is saying anything, say, you know what, I don't fancy Arsenal or Napoli, mm. you know, and, and bide his time and get, I don't know, a Manchester City, a Liverpool, further down the line. Yeah, I mean, could you look at the 
as you said there Jamie I think if you had to pick one team out of that Premier League top six who are you would maybe put in, in danger if you like it probably is Arsenal I mean they've, they've, they've splashed 20, 27, 28 million on the 18 year old centre back from San Etienne only to loan him back for the season it's been and this is kind of it's pretty unheard of like I know sometimes you get you know the kind of the headlines of you know X club has however many millions to spend but it seems to have been going about all summer like definitively Arsenal have no more than 45 million to, to spend and it just seems like a, a, a strange way to go about your business having that in the the public eye and it's just, they just maybe don't seem like a club on the up Oh you talk about a fall from grace and I think Arsenal is a classic example of a, a fall from grace a, a once English football superpower now clinging on to you know top six possibly even worse than that you know and you, you don't know the, the, the reasons for that I mean, you know you can hazard a guess but you know did, did, did Arsene Wenger stay too long was money frittered away on you know poor players but they just look like a side that are on the slide and decline the, the English football landscape is changing somewhat I mean if you look at Arsenal Chelsea Manchester United there's no real guarantee that those teams are going to finish in the top six next year with their, their chosen managers and the way they're doing the recruitment so you know, you hate to say it as a Celtic fan but you'd be looking at I mean Leicester wouldn't they sign here in Tierney but <laughs> you were going to say they're a team that could creep into the top six you know mm-hmm, so, so I don't think Arsenal would be all and end all and the bottom line is they can't afford them <laughs> and that would please Celtic supporters greatly wouldn't it if Leicester crept into the top six <laughs> oh never you know so uh, you know, like, yeah. I agree with you I mean you you look at Man U and Arsenal you know and you think wow What's happened? I'm surprised, man, you haven't come calling, to be honest, because they have got a bit of dough, and, and Luke Shaw looks like someone that could be easily moved out yeah, the way. Yeah, he's had how many chances, Luke Shaw? He's yeah. never really established I, I, himself. Again, as... and it seems a ridiculous thing to say, but see, if you're a footballer, would you want to sign for Manchester United at this particular moment in time? I think, uh, I think man, you are the exceptional case, because I think... Yeah, I I think there's a, a lot of romance about Man U. No, no, I'm, 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 yeah. If you're going to check history and all that, yeah. and take it. But I'm just talking about at this, oh, the, at this juncture of, yeah. of Manchester United. Yeah. Would you want to go sing for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Man U? No, question. I don't Aye. think you would. You know, rather than signing and for it, David Moyes' and Man U. But it seems utterly preposterous to say that. Uh-huh. You know, but I think if you're looking at the English Premiership just now. I think the two clubs you'd want to sing for at the minute is Man Manchester City or Liverpool, mm-hmm. just yeah. because. And you, you you could feel you could progress your career and win something big, i.e. the Champions League, which every footballer craves, don't they? Manchester City are still that's that's the box that remains on tick for them. Liverpool just want to try and be the dominant English club and, and win that as many times as they can. And you know the last couple of years have shown, you know that they just seem to be adept at getting to mm-hmm. Champions Champions League finals. You know. Yeah. Right. So well, there, there you go. The message to Kieran Tierney from the Record Celtic podcast because we know he. <laughs> He definitely listens every <laughs> single week as to bide his time. Um, Celtic, just moving on a wee bit, Celtic have certainly bided their time in terms of getting a right back in, but it now seems, well, Neil Lennon's confirmed today that there's a deal in place um, to sign Hatem El Hamid from Hapoel Beersheva. So he's not, I mean, it's been kind of touted as the solution to the, the right back problem, if you like, but he's not an out and out. Right back as such, is he? From what we understand, he's played a lot of his football at centre back, but he can also play at right back. But I suppose it is a kind of welcome sight for, especially after Michael Lustig leaving, Jamie, for 
Celtic fans to, just to see somebody coming in on that side of the pitch Aye I mean I, I've sort of ex- expressed this view on my own podcast and just before you know people get uh, their backs up about maybe negative about Celtic but I, I'm just a bit sceptical at the moment about how the transfers at Celtic Park are, are playing out um, I just think we find ourselves once again playing Russian roulette with these transfers uh, with these uh, qualifiers um, and this boy coming in is, you know he's no a right back you know as you say he plays most of his football at centre half is he a backup centre half aye that, that's fine he's probably know the solution to the right back problem but is um, he's got the, he's got an agent that Neil Lennon is familiar with who's supplied Neil Lennon a lot of players in the past and just as someone that looking at it you're going is this the best guy for the job how did we stumble across him um, is he the solution to the right back problem probably not if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest yeah, Neil Lennon's actually, he said just to, as we had, he said on Tuesday that he consulted with Nier Beaton and Berem Kyle oh, good. on this transfer. Uh, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> two, if that does anything. Two wonderfully <laughs> successful players. Uh, should we I mean, sign your pal? Aye, okay, that's enough for me. <laughs> well, correct. Uh, <laughs> He's honestly, like that, isn't pick it? him. Yeah, it's, it's, it smacks a bit of that, doesn't it? But, you know, time will tell. I, I always say you, you have to see these guys in action and before you make any kind of judgment, you know, but I, I can imagine uh, the boy coming in won't, you know, won't kind of make the Celtic supporters' hearts sore at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. No, they want a right back. Go and get a right back. I think the problem is, as Neil Lennon said last week, I think his comments were quite telling it, but they were basically priced out. They tried to get the guy for Huddersfield priced out. They went after, I think, both right backs at Luton Town. Those guys went on to get more money, you know, bigger wages elsewhere. So now we're like, we're, we're, we're now effectively, we're looking at our fourth, fourth choice on the peck nod on the shopping list right back. So this guy's this guy's cropped up now as as Tony says you want to see him in the flesh, you want to see him play, he might be a cracking player, but I'm just like I'm a bit just a bit sceptical about it really. And my opinion also as well, he played for Harpool Bershava against Celtic, didn't he? Or did he? Pass. Pass. Well, <laughs> well, see if he did. Yeah. I can't say I noticed. Well, then, yeah. There's and, a and, 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 right, and, and, and going back to the other one that they've signed, Bolly and Bombo, who played against Rangers last year, mm-hmm. I didn't notice him either. Mm-hmm. So I think the Celtic supporters, you know, they, I tell you who they did notice, but the two central defenders that played for AK Athens last year, yeah. right, who were tight as a drum and gave Celtic nothing, right? So you would have said, OK, they can defend. You know, when they were looking for centre-halves and stuff like that, you know, because you noticed them the way they played against Celtic and you thought, all right, you know, so something like that. But these two guys who played against, you know, Celtic and Rangers didn't leap out at you as if they're guys you need to sign. So there's your answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's, I think I don't want to talk the guy down, you know, as, as, as you see, you need to see him in action. Yeah. I think my general malaise with the way the transfer window's gone is maybe colouring my view a wee bit, but I, I just, I will, for never, I will never understand, just as a fan, why it's so difficult for Celtic to get players through the door. I don't understand it. I also think as well, I, I'm going to say, on Celtic's behalf, if you are in for a right back, as they have been, the couple of boys from Luton and stuff, uh, you know, and their agents are playing one off against yeah. the other. You, you can't blame Celtic for that if they're using Celtic as a bargaining tool to get more money elsewhere. And that has happened. But it, it seems to me that that happens to Celtic on a repetitive basis. Yeah, you think they, they can never go in and go, what, what's, what's the ballpark figure? What's X? We'll give you X. Mm-hmm. There's always, 
we want X, we'll give you Y. Mm. They're giving me Y. You know what I mean? Can you but match why? There no, seems no. to be, uh, whenever you hear, hear noises out of Celtic, and it's just a Celtic bashing I'm giving them, but <laughs> they seem to describe a unique set of circumstances that only exist to Celtic as to why they can't get players. And they say, well, we tried, but as you say, his agent played off. And I'm thinking, but that must happen to Aberdeen. Yeah. You know, or, or Inverness, or it must happen to Norwich, or Sunderland, or any of these teams that are, are in for a player, the agent's job is to get more money. Yeah. And I'm always wondering, why is it always Celtic who miss out Mm-hmm. And it's part of the fans' frustrations where they hear this uh, cliche trotted out every every window. We tried hard to get a deal over the line. You know how hard did you try? Mm-hmm. You know to come out then and tell us what what scuppered the deal. You know because whenever Celtic conclude any kind of deal, it always seems to be a long protracted affair, which adds to the fans' sense of. Frustration, you know. At the beginning of the window, things looked good. You know, we got we got Julian in, who, who looks like a a cracking big player. You know, he, his profile looks like a, a great buy. And there's two ways to look at it. You know, I'm personally looking at it like I think even at seven million, I think he may be a bit of a coup. I I I think maybe we're, we've done well to get him in. Um, and then, as you said, Bolly, from what I've seen, looks like a good right, a good left back. If Kieran's staying, having those two options left back's absolutely brilliant as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, you know, the early business looked good, but it started off early and you thought, right, we're doing it right now, and then it sort of tailed off a wee yeah. bit. I made this point before, right? I said that three of us sitting here, right, could say to us, for the next season, watch the German, French, and Italian league and see the clubs from fifth to tenth position. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Go and identify a right back, right? If you watch the that league repetitively every week for a whole season right you could come back with a list of I don't know a dozen yeah defenders yeah. from any given teams from the 5th to 10th mm. because if that's the kind of if you're not going to get the top bracketed players in the Bundesliga Serie A or, or a Spanish league or whatever then you target you know Europa League type clubs right and their players and, and I'm convinced you could come up with at least 15 targets defend, defend, defensive targets right 15 right backs from all those clubs from 5th to 10th mm-hmm. position the ones that are competing for Europe and just maybe fall just outside it right you try to tell me that Celtic cannot identify a player like that you mm-hmm. know and that, that's just me put, reducing it to a, a base level but surely there are targets out there that play for maybe it's these the case. kind of clubs. And maybe it is the case Celtic relied too heavily on agents because as far as I understand it, transfers can work in a number of ways. You can go and do your own homework, do your own scout and f- identify these players yourself or you can put the word out to agents that you're looking for a right back and the agents come to you w- mm. with their offerings. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to get too critical of Celtic. This, this, this transfer of the Israeli guy is not set in the head of the light, but it entirely depends on what role is penciled in for him. I'm not being critical of Celtic's uh, transfer policy per se, but I'm just saying, you know, as a as a general exercise, you, you could probably do that and identify some players, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just making the point that there's players out there. I, I don't see the difficulty in identifying a right back. And then, which leads me to believe that m- maybe Celtic just use certain agents. Mm. Yeah, and, and maybe you know, another which is restrictive. Then. Yeah, and maybe yeah. another thing is it's still early in the window. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Celtic are in for a guy. Maybe he's no yeah. wanted by three or four teams. Yeah. But his agent saying, "Look, bide your time. 
Mm. Whereas Celtic are saying, well, we've got these games really early. The guy's probably still on the beach. Yeah. Meanwhile, his agent is phoning around Southampton, Sunderland, saying, well, my player could maybe get a move here. So it's maybe just the fact that, you know, if, if these qualifiers didn't exist for Celtic, which I believe they shouldn't, shouldn't Celtic shouldn't be involved with half the teams are involved in, that's another story. But see, if these qualifiers didn't exist and we had the whole window to take it a leisure... I don't think people would be it happy to set up about the, it. Yeah, it changes I, the entire perception, doesn't I, it? Because if you've not got this to, to worry about, then yeah. we're still thinking, well, we're just kind of dusting off the cobwebs uh, at this that, point, really. That's the thing, it changes the landscape. See, if you can promise a player Champions League football, i.e. group stage football, they would sign for you in a heartbeat, right? A lot of guys are thinking, you're giving me qualifiers, yeah. which you could so easily get tripped up on. Like Athens last year shows you that. So, yeah. again, as Jamie says, they'll hedge their bets and bide their time. Now see if Celtic manage to negotiate all these qualifiers and get into the, the group stages you'll not be able to imagine the amount of players that will be shoved Celtic's <laughs> way you know the amount of names from agents that will pour in from everywhere all of a sudden you will get somebody from Real Imaginary wanting to play for Celtic you know what I mean a right back will you know will suddenly appear from the smoke you know, so I, I think, uh, you know, but it's true, isn't it? If you're a Champions League team, you know, these, these guys are on a beach, you know. But all of a sudden, if you can negotiate all those qualifiers, these players will suddenly materialise from nowhere. And another thing to look at as well is you look, you can't help but look at the other teams in the, in the league, particularly Rangers, who've probably brought in now eight or nine players. Yeah, yeah. But, but one thing you need to remind yourself is, not one of them would get in the Celtic team you know Celtic if Celtic signed eight maybe apart for the boy fairly the Swedish boy but that's because nobody knows anything about him mm -hmm. but you know if Celtic were after like say Greg Stewart Jordan Jones if these guys pitched up at Celtic Park you know Celtic fans would be tearing their hair because like, this is not what we want yeah. this, they they don't, we want you to get early but we don't want you to get crap early they, they wouldn't get in this, the Celtic team at this moment in time again you, you can make a judgement having based on what you've seen so far when playing for other clubs make a, a better or a more informed judgment when they play for, for a club like Rangers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When the you know when the pressure's on and they can't be a six out of ten player where they were with Commander or Aberdeen or whatever, you know, they have to be a straight eight, nine, even a ten out of ten player every other week. I just think you Rangers know? are going ugly early. That's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> what would you like yeah. ideally if you get an idea, Jamie, in your head of what you'd like to see come the end of the transfer window in terms of I don't know positions or if you've got any players in particular that you've it's a, it's a very difficult one because it's always like you know people ask you when you're doing podcasts and stuff you know who, who is there anything you've identified but it's like Schrodinger's right back you know does he exist does he not exist you know you, you, there's no particular player that I'd say Celtic need but they definitely need two right backs I think they definitely need someone in midfield um, with a bit of energy and a bit of creativity to move on. Wh whatever reason we bought in Cham for, we need someone to fit that mould because in Cham's not going to do it anymore. I think we need a striker um, because I think Edward's a class act. We've yet to have any bids for our big players, but Edward's a class act. Lee Griffiths is a great player, but we, we need one more, you know, as far as I'm concerned. So two right backs and a striker are, are my, my priorities. And if I get my wish, you know, a midfielder. But feeling that you just want rid of some of the, the players that are still hanging about there's a lot of bric-a-brac in that yeah. side that don't really offer much you know who would you get rid of Tony because Leo Lennon has spoken about um, trimming his squad down a wee bit and there's like Jamie says there's guys kind of hanging about the fringes and not really getting a look in um, I would think that if Sham's heart's not in it which it doesn't appear to be I would move him on if they can you know and 
controversial as this may sound, but you know my thoughts. I, I, I think the big Aussie boy could leave tomorrow. Yeah, Tom Rogic, because I don't see what he's bringing now to the party. You know, I've, I've been you know, shouted down many times on this because people tell me he's a fantastic footballer. No, he isn't. He's a scorer of great goals and important goals, but as I've said this countless times, and I'll say it again, you can compile a DVD of Tom Rogic's greatest goals. You cannot compile them of his greatest Celtic games because you could count them, if at all, on your one hand. I think people are masking goals with great player. I think Rogic, Rogic is a good player, um, in my opinion. He does score good and important goals for us. I think he's a tidy player. He's one of the players that can work in that space effectively for us. Ryan Christie does it differently, but, but Rogic doesn't. Yeah. But, but the thing for me about Rogic is he's just not his work enough. You know, the, the amount of time the boy spends out injured or unavailable or he, the amount of time he does start games and doesn't finish 90 minutes. You're thinking you, you need a work ethic there as well. And I just aye. don't think, I think it's lacking with, with Rogic, in which I think uh, is, you know, responsible for the fact that he's injury prone as well. You know, he just will give you a shift. Yeah, I, I, you know? I think there's more pressing issues. You know, there's likes of Jack Hendry. That boy must be looking at his career and going, "If I, I'm in danger of turning the next Scott Allen here, if I don't move on, <laughs> Johnny Hayes, for all his effort that he puts in a Celtic shirt, I don't think he's the sort of caliber of player we should really be looking at." Um, there's, I think there's maybe questions over Lewis Morgan, not to move him on, but he, I don't think he's the answer for me because if you think that he's going to take take over from Scott Sinclair which Neil Lennon sort of identified against Sarajevo there that he took Scott Sinclair's place I don't think Lewis Morgan's going to give you the goal Scott Sinclair does for a start Um, I'd hate to see Sinclair moved on but he's starting to look like Celtic's forgotten man this pre-season so and then like you say in Cham you might as well move him on because he doesn't fancy there's five or so players in there that you think I'm still surprised that you're beat on still in the building you know, is it just because yeah, he offers a bit of versatility, Beaton, and he's somebody know, Neil Lennon. Obviously Neil Lennon seems to him, like him he? and trust him. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's asking his opinion on signing players as well. You know what I mean? Clearly, <laughs> really he's doing, he's doing everything. Beaton, centre mid, centre half, scout. I saw him referred to as a utility man, and I thought. I'd see it only 24 that's a terrible thing to be referred to he's like the Israeli Charlie Mogu for uh, aye Jack of all trades because there was nothing like even playing football at any level I thought there was nothing worse than getting referred to as a utility man but but Neil Lennon likes those sort of players doesn't he He likes players that he could fit into several different positions and if Nier Bitton's going to fill in at centre half or I think he might have filled in at right back before he fills in in midfield yeah and he said he's willing to do any job really isn't he of course because he doesn't want to leave the building (laughs) (laughs) why would he you know I uh, you know he's no he's no daft <laughs> that's one thing yeah. level beat on. he's not daft because we were talking the other week you know how it seems to be it must be seems to be written in his contract somewhere that he has to play centre half at some point in these Champions League qualifiers uh, oh. so the next qualifier obviously coming up is Norma Calu on Wednesday night um, usual spelling mm-hmm. yeah aye, I'm glad I got that one out without any issues uh, the Estonians the Estonians yes the Estonians um, so I mean it's again it's a bit of an unknown quantity and to, but I mean you would imagine similar perhaps similar level to, to Sarajevo I'd probably think I, I honestly think Sarajevo were probably the hardest team we could have got at that stage the, the hardest team we've played in a couple of years I think at that early stage yeah, normally it's a, a joke team yeah. I think Nomi kills you that should be shooting for Celtic that they shouldn't they shouldn't offer much of a, of a test for Celtic that should be on to the no. next round 
Yeah, I don't think they should pose any significant problems, you know. But it's like everything else. Unknown quantities are the ones that can sometimes pop up and mm-hmm. give you a, a bloody nose, as they say. Yeah, but no, I, I think Celtic should be far stronger and far better. Because it's certainly with a home leg first, it's the opportunity to just have it done and dusted by half-time, mm. basically, really, isn't it? And then you can uh, you I'll, can look ahead a bit. I always refer back to the Harpool Bearshaver game when they won 5-2 and thought that was done and dusted and it turned out to be one of the most nerve-shredding things <laughs> for any Celtic supporter in uh-huh. the history of of the club, you know, so you can't take anything for granted, even a lead like 5 2 or, or whatever, yeah, you know. What was the other one? Was it Astana? Astana as well, yeah. But the, the, the thing about Astana was they, they at least they scored in Astana, mm. you know, yeah. and looked capable of scoring in Astana, whereas in Israel that night they just they just wilted, uh-huh. you know, and just didn't look capable of scoring, you know, so it was one of them, can they keep it down to 2 nothing? Which, yeah. Which they did, you know. So, but I, you know, I, I don't know too much about Norm Caldew or the Estonians, as we'll call them. Uh, but I, Celtic have to be stronger and better. Bottom line, mm-hmm. I actually think that the Celtic performance in Sarajevo was, was decent. Again, given I thought so as well. Uh, given that, that Neil Lennon sort of crafted a wee shape out of sort of leftover players, you know, but the but quality of the goals was terrific. Yeah, uh, Sarajevo. That, that's the first thing that struck me, you know, and and also going a goal down, you could have folded it. It could have been one, one of those. Could've, yeah, you know. have, yeah. The, the only worry for me was how easily Sarajevo scored their goal. You know, they, yeah. they seem to be able to get through us quite easily. Um, but I, I just, I don't see, I don't see much in the way. Of, of a challenge coming up mm-hmm. and usually in Celtic away trips one goal is followed by another one in yeah. quick succession or another batches, two yeah, they, like, like Glasgow and Edinburgh buses <laughs> usually come you know so. Uh, so I mean as we know the the third round of these qualifiers is when it tends to to be a step up and obviously it was last year I don't think saying that I don't think KK Athens were a particularly Should've great no, team but no. um, it, is, it is certainly a, a step up from your Sarajevo's and whoever else um so obviously the way UEFA do these things these days you know about five rounds in advance who you're going to play <laughs> and so coming up it's potentially if Celtic you know, as they should get past the second round they'll either play uh, Cluj or Maccabee Tel Aviv uh, so Jamie as a, as a fan is there a preference there that you would those two uh, those two teams that you would rather play or is it I'd prefer we had a right back in before the game. That's my only. That's my only preference. I think. Again, you look at these on paper. Celtic should be beaten either of those teams. I know it's quite an arrogant way to look at it, but they should. You know, when you look at the wage budget and the transfer budget and the players we've got, you know, you look at their squad and go, could they afford to buy any of our players? Nah. Would we take any of theirs? Probably not. So, you know, with, without being blasé about it, you, you you think, okay, the end's in sight. You get through it. However, as we've discussed against Astana and all these other sides of recent years, AK Athens, if you don't get your recruitment right, if you don't have the right team, then these are a very, very tricky games because more often than not, these other teams have got themselves sorted out and these other teams really, really, really want to get into the Champions League. Um, so I, I don't have a preference, but I mean, there's clues to get to the stage that they put out Astana. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's they've beat difficult teams on the way to get here. So it's a... It could, it's a potential banana skin as that tie always is a note of caution with Cluj as well and Gino speaking about this off Mike uh, managed by Dan Petrescu yeah the mm-hmm. same Dan Petrescu who turned up at Ibrox with Unare Urza Cheney 
people thinking, walk over. It certainly was for them. Four <laughs> one, uh, I think it finished. <laughs> eyebrows down. It's just like uh-huh. a result that came from absolutely nowhere. Yeah. So these clubs are. It does happen. The, the, yeah, but there are no gimmies. That's the bottom line, you know. So you, you, you know, you, you should be uh-huh. taking care of them, but. There's always a note of caution in your head thinking, right, they'll be well organised, well drilled, well disciplined, you know, with a manager who's been there, seen it and done it. So yeah. if it's clues, then the warning signs are there, right? You just need to, re- that's your reference point mm-hmm. that Unare Ayurzacheni turned up at Ibrox and turned Rangers over. Right, a Walter Smith Rangers who, who were good mm. and could defend and that was their, their kind of blueprint for going for and, and get absolutely turned over. Yeah. So... You just can't take anything for granted. And Maccabi Tel Aviv, then, they, I think they've been dominating their league for a while now, you know, and are always there or thereabouts. So these, both either of these ties are fraught with danger. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be able to take care of them, yep, but you should have been able to take care of Athens last year yeah. and didn't and lost to a very poor side who, what did they do? They defended. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's it one thing. in and hurt you in the counter, which is what these teams will do. The thing about again, them as well is they're, you know, they're no, you know, obviously they're not big European forces, but they're no stranger to playing these ties. They're, they're in about but it every yeah. year, so they're not necessarily going club to be overawed. At the door to get to the yeah. next bit, you know, so to progress their there, club, you know. So, you know, I, you wouldn't fancy either or, but you're going to have to play one of them. I think know? that's one thing Neil Lennon will bring. He'll bring. I think he's a bit more inclined to be cautious of these teams whereas I think Brendan Rodgers the way he was was like right we'll just turn up roll over the top of them type of thing and you know he had his banana skin in Gibraltar <laughs> sorry he had his banana skin in Gibraltar and he had that shocking result against Ike Athens and he had a few pumpings in Europe I think Neil Lennon might be more inclined to think right my team's not quite there yet I'm going to be a bit more conservative I'm, I'm going to try and work out a shape here that, that protects us a bit more at the back because um, he did mention that after the Sarajevo game you know he was asked about Bolly and if he had the license to go forward that he, he, he was shown on the pitch and you kind of wound it back and went well no really it's something we're going to have to work on <laughs> do you know what I mean because that guy's a, a loose cannon on deck so I, I think Neil Lennon will be he'll be aware translation uh, there yeah. he'll, be a, he'll be aware of what's what, what potentially is ahead of him as far as banana skins going he'll probably mm-hmm. set up the team yeah, accordingly uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, would have, I would have thought so yeah yeah do you suspect much many changes from the you know, there seems to be kind of settling into a... You know, those guys are still kind of on the, the fringes, Julian is apparently still a wee bit away. Uh, not seen much of Shved or the likes yet. So, but, so it's, it's given chances to guys like Lewis Morgan and... That's and, one that they've got high hopes for, Shved. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to sign a player on a YouTube uh, kind of compilation, you would have signed Shved because he looks, he looks <laughs> a part of it. You know, I don't know the, the standard of the Ukrainian league, but... But he knows where the goal is. Uh, well, yeah, he knows where and he's scored a couple of spectacular goals, you know what I mean? So I, I think the fans are excited to maybe see what he could bring to the table, but how fit is he? And, you know, is, is he ready? You know, so, and if he is, then what's the harm in throwing him in and yeah, giving him a shot? Picked up a wee injury, know? I think, so that's you know, why you've not well, seen much of him yet. The same way. You know, and he's, he's obviously given Morgan his chance, because Jamie alluded to maybe he thinks Sinclair, or he just doesn't fancy Sinclair. You know, which I think a lot of Celtic supporters would be disappointed with. But again, Sinclair's another one of these enigmatic players who can blow hot and cold. When he blows hot, he's great. When he's cold, he's rotten. You know, he's well sitting here talking about it with us. You know, so and and I, I think he's a confidence player, Sinclair. You know, Aye. 
Uh, just uh, just on Sinclair, I think the next four games will be quite telling as to where Scott Sinclair's career lies with Neil Lennon. Because I, I really, really rate Scott Sinclair. And like you say, he has his, his good and bad games, much like every player in his position. You know, wingers typically have good and bad games, but his overall contribution to the side is... Uh, almost unmatched I, I'm not knocking his contribution I think he's been a fantastic signing for Celtic but I, I just think a guy like that should you know be a wee bit have a bit more swagger about him you know yeah, and, I mean, I and, can... and a belief in his own ability because he has been here for like the past three years and he's done it and they've won the treble treble with him being a, a really important member of that side and sometimes when I see him he just seems to be to lack confidence and stature and think do you know what? Am I good enough? Of course you're good enough. Because you he's a senior player now. Of course he is. He's, he's a senior you know? player, and as you say, he's been there and, and done it all, and you would think he would and, be... And he's a frustrating figure. You know, he can look absolutely terrific, and then other times, you know, he can miss sitters from like a yard out and stuff, and you think... Scott, what's going on? I just think that's that's. <laughs> I think that's one that Neil Lennon needs to be careful of because the Celtic fans are well aware of what Scott Sinclair is capable of doing, and if he persists, now Morgan was fine against Sarri over, but what I'm saying is, if he persists with the likes of Morgan and persists to keep Scott Sinclair on the bench, and results don't go your way, mm. people are immediately going to say, "As a 20, 20 goal a season player sat on the bench, and we've just went out here because we drew nil nil or some yeah. such comment," you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I know what Scott Sinclair brings and. When he's on his game, he's you know a few can match him, but I just think that there's something lacking within Scott that it's not there, you know, ninety percent of the mm. time when it should be. Is it just yeah. is that just because we saw so much in that first season that everything in comparison since I know we've maybe been over this a hundred times, but see if he didn't have that first season, I think people would still be going, God, that Scott Sinclair's been a great good player for the last two years, twenty goals, sixteen goals here. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's as I, as I keep saying, his contribution to the side. Is, and is massive and, and that's the thing you know, people forget that he's actually scored 20 goals uh-huh. and 16 goals and the, the amount of goals he got in the first season to, and the under player of the year awards you know because mm-hmm. do you know why they forget about it because he's had that many bad games and struggled at times mm-hmm. they're like what, what's going on there and they think about that as mm-hmm. opposed to accentuating the positive which Jamie's just yeah. said there you know it's, it's a bizarre one but it's just it's, it's a word of caution to, to Neil Lennon because I know he's another one that listens that if you're taking <laughs> if you're taking Scott Sinclair at that side you're taking 20 goals out of the team and I don't think Lewis Morgan's going to get you 20 goals no uh, just to finish off this week, um, you know, we, we didn't have a, a podcast last week, um, so we missed a chance to talk about Lee Griffiths making his comeback against Sarajevo. And since then, he's been speaking, obviously, very candidly um, about what he's been going through the past few months, um, really kind of opening up on it, um, sending a message to other people who might be in the, the same situation. But, I mean, it was just, it was good. It was good to see him back playing competitively last week, and you're kind of hoping that it's onwards and upwards from here, really, aren't we? See, just on a humane level, it's just great to see Lee Griffiths sitting in that chair talking the way he is mm-hmm. and out in a football park doing what he does best, just, just as a human being. Because you just wish that kind of struggle on nobody, regardless of what football club they play for, Jersey they pull on. That, that, to come through something like that is a personal struggle. and then as you say to offer help to others and to speak that candidly about it and still have the energy to go on and want to score goals you know is you know it's a major hat tip to Lee Griffiths for that and I tell you what see when he does score his first goal you know after coming back uh, and it's an important one the the cheer he'll get will be phenomenal Mm -hmm. and, and he deserves it you know because nobody can envisage those personal demons that a player has 
when when that kind of thing happens to them. So I'm just delighted to see him back in a, in a kind of humane level. And if he does get back to anything like what he was before he had his uh, his time out, then Celtic have won a watch. I, th- I think what I think what, what Lee Griffiths has done is important. I think there was a lot of stuff out there. It was well publicised, and I, I, I'm not sure he really wanted a lot of it publicised, but it was out anyway. And he sort of came out and faced it. And uh, as Tory was saying, I think it's important because people can now look at Lee Griffiths and say, well, you know, if he's done it, I can do it. And, it, you know, it changes the perception of, of mental health. I know Scottish football is not the most understanding and, and forward thinking places at times, you know. Mm-hmm. So if if he can come out and change the perceptions of mental health as if yeah. to say, you know, look, I was a millionaire playing for Celtic, all this, and, and it still caught me. So, you know, opens up people's perceptions. I think for his point of view, it would be an enormous personal triumph if he can come back to be to be a Celtic player because, you know, it's a long way back, you know, from being really, really down, dealing with the issues he was dealing with, to being coming back and being any sort of footballer, to be coming back and being a Celtic player and a regular in that Celtic team would be an enormous triumph for, for Lee Griffiths and he would deserve enormous credit for it. And as a Celtic fan, it was great to see him back. You know, you want these guys to do well. You want people in and around the club to do well and everybody wants Lee Griffiths back at Celtic I can you know the, the word on the, 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 the crowd and on the terraces is nobody's rolling their eyes at this everyone's like come on wee man you know let's let's get you back on the pitch yeah. let's get you scoring goals um, and it, it's just it was good that he acknowledged that as well and I also think Celtic deserve enormous credit for the way they've handled this situation too the way they've nursed them through and given them the help that he, that he so desperately required you know, and a, you know, and as a club, you can only stand and fall by your players when these things happen. And you know, they they didn't, they they, they took him out of that spotlight and limelight, and clearly identified that he had problems and tried to fix them. Mm. So the proof will be in the pudding when he comes back and he does what, yeah. what he, he, he's good at doing. You know, and and I think Celtic deserve credit for that as a club. Just you know, they talk about that whole Celtic family, but that's a that's a an instance where they did throw their arms around one of the members of the family and say, yeah. "Do you know what? We're not going to lose you to this. We'll we'll help you and we'll get you better and trust in us." You know, and Lee probably didn't want to take an extended leave of absence from football, but clearly had to. Mm. You know, and uh, and I think it's incumbent in football clubs, any football club, if any of their players are having mental health issues, that they deal with it in much the same way. You know, and uh, you know, mental health is not the easiest subject to speak about, but mm. I think Celtic deserve enormous credit for the way they've handled the situation as well. Yeah. And again, a major hat tip to them for that. Yeah, I think what kind of stuck out for me as well is. You know, obviously Griffiths was talking about, you know, how he had these, you know, fears that, you know, he's been given this time off, but it might come to the summer and the club might be, well, it's time for us to, you know, be part ways. But I thought what was good is, like, the club reassured them that, you know, they don't, not only does he have their backing now and as long as he's a Celtic player, but after mm. as well. It's not just a case of, you know, if, if and, and when... somebody else's problem now. Yeah, if and, if and when Griffiths does ever leave Celtic, then, it, as you say, becomes somebody else's problem, which is, I think... Which is part is, of the family. It thing. is really, you isn't know, it? You know, if they, if you you buy into this whole Celtic family thing that they they're, they're very much big on, you know. So uh, again, uh, that's it's lovely to see that, you know. And I think it's something that, that all football clubs really could do, just to sort of not take up too much time. But you know, football is very cutthroat. You know, you can give a club, you know, five, six, seven years, and if you don't make it, 
then I mean find something else to do. Do you know what I mean? Or deal with these issues yourself. So I think you know the Lee Griffith story is, is something that could really if he, if when he comes back, the whole of Scottish football could maybe reflect on a, a wee bit and. You know, there's been guys been through it before, but it might offer us an opportunity to look at things differently and change a wee bit. Yeah, this is definitely the most sort of high-profile one. Yeah, because yeah. really, there have been kind of uh, accounts of guys who have struggled before, sure. but not quite somebody of this profile. I think as case studies go, then you could, you know, you could do well to have a look at that in depth. Mm. You yeah. know, and and help the lower-profile guys moving forward as well. You know, if Celtic maybe. Say if, I, if there was a, was a lower profile footballer identified then maybe they could get help off Celtic as well mm. you know and other clubs you know and make it all encompassing and it's not just for Lee Griffiths because you're a high profile player you know throw your doors open to other footballers who are suffering from mental health issues you know if, if, if clubs like Celtic the bigger clubs said well tell you what we'll put you through mm. rehab or whatever it is that you do to, to get over mental health issues so I'd like to think that that would happen moving forward you know because mm-hmm. there are a lot of cases of uh, lower profile players and, it, and it's you know it's been sad stories with a lot of them you know so mm-hmm. yeah well certainly credit to Lee Griffiths and credit to Celtic that's all from us this week thanks to Jamie and Tony for joining me if you want to continue the debate you can find us on Twitter at record under slash sport and we're also on Facebook as well we'll be back next week to talk all things Celtic so don't forget to subscribe on Acast and iTunes to get the pod as soon as it's available and you can also rate us on there as well thanks for listening (laughs) 